Welcome to Mental Reality with Dr. Beach. Thanks for listening. So on this episode, we're going to be talking about the interplay and overlap of emotional health and physical health and focusing a little bit on stress and just how damaging it can be to both emotional and physical health. And then we're going to be ending by talking about some real life practical interventions that we can all apply to really help to nourish our mind and body so that we are able to live a long and healthy life. And to help me discuss those topics, I have a very special guest, Dr. Marcus Plauser, who is an integrative medicine physician and psychiatrist practicing in San Diego and Vancouver. Welcome to the program, Dr. Plauser. So happy to have you here. I'm excited to be in the studio with you tonight, Dr. Beach. Great. So let's get started. What is the important interplay of emotional health and physical health? It all goes together. I started out my career in medicine in psychiatry. Psychiatry talks about the biopsychosocial model. However, in recent years, we have recognized that it is much broader. It is truly a biopsychosocial spiritual model. I'm so glad that you brought that important point up, Dr. Plauser, because it's actually very rare, particularly when you're talking to academics or having scientific discussions, that there's a real focus on our spiritual health. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I believe we truly have seen a shift in the medical models over the years. Psychiatry in the 70s, it was all about psychoanalysis and about understanding the meaning about interpretations. We now shifted to a purely biological model, uh, to a model of treating depression with pills. However, many people we see today, they are not depressed, but they are unhappy. And I think a happiness prescription and how to get there through better emotional and physical balance, this is what we should focus on. And that's so important because really we are more focused on, you know, what you could call holistic health, where we're not just uh, prescribing medications as, you know, a small armamentarium of our potential treatment options, but we're thinking much more broadly. And I really like your kind of prescribing things like exercise and happiness. Um, rather than just uh, defaulting to medications. Absolutely. I believe the way forward has to be to help people how to use less medications uh, through a balanced life. And you had asked about the spiritual aspect, the importance of spirituality. It lies in meaning. A lot of us these days experience a lack of meaning. We go about our days, we go about our routines that are set, but we lack the meaning as to why we are doing those things. Yeah, and certainly, you know, social media and the amount of, you know, people talk about taking kind of a social media detox to try to, you know, have themselves more focused and mindful and, you know, focused on their real relationships and, and the meaning in them. Oh, I agree. Social media uh, can be huge distractors and, uh, in fact, uh, increase um, our stress in life. Those lifestyle interventions you mentioned, 
are effective to reduce stress, in particular chronic stress in our life. Right. And there are, of course, different types of stress. There's more acute stress that can even be helpful, that can help us kind of uh, adapt or engage in kind of the fight or flight uh, reaction, if you will. And then there's more chronic stress that people have had, you know, adverse childhood events or have chronic traumatic events that are still struggling. You know, that's a different type of stress, including on the body. The impact on the body and our health is indeed very different. In acute stress, when we see the tiger, we need certain hormones to be able to run and it is adaptive for survival. However, when stress becomes chronic, such as traumatic experiences changing how our body reacts to stress going forward, potentially for years. That is where we see the negative impacts of chronic stress uh, on our health and lives, such as being overweight, such as having our relationships impacted uh, by the deleterious effects of chronic stress. So even, even when you have generally good emotional health, we still have to deal with, you know, emotional disruptors, if you will, throughout life. For example, people have to deal with job loss, death of a loved one, uh, medical illness, sometimes financial problems, you name it. So what would you recommend that people try to do to deal with life's predictable stressors? I would recommend to develop resilience. Uh, the we may not have control over being exposed to stress, but we do have control over our coping mechanisms, how we react to stress. And the problem with chronic stress, it relies in a stress response that keeps going even in uh, the absence of major stressors. Uh, in chronic stress, a minor stressor may be enough to trigger a stress reaction with a harmful impact on our health. Uh, like, I would like to draw a parallel to another very prevalent chronic illness in our society, uh, which is metabolic syndrome, being overweight, diabetes. Diabetes is a resistance to the hormone insulin. Chronic stress is a resistance to the stress hormone cortisone, which is adaptive, which is useful for survival in chronic stress. But cortisone, a corticosteroid resistance becomes harmful in a chronic situation. And chronic stress is glucocorticoid resistance. Right. And certainly, you know, if someone had diabetes, it would be very, it would be second, second hat to say that you need to manage your blood sugars by certain lifestyle interventions, or sometimes with medications or insulin, you would manage that problem with interventions or coping strategies. But we oftentimes don't talk about mental uh, wellness or problems as openly or think of those interventions as being directly related to, you know, a positive outcome because we can't as easily measure the blood sugar being elevated, etc. Well, actually we do can we are able to measure parameters of mental health. Um there are a number of rating scales that can be used uh to measure mental health parameters. 
Um, however, I believe you are correct that uh, in the area of mental health, the issue traditionally has been stigma. Uh, perhaps uh, stigma because mental health and mental unwellness, unwellness is less visible to the eye, is less obvious compared to a broken bone. Right. And it's not until we start talking openly, which we're starting to do now, that it's going to become more visible. And that in turn will make it more normalized and, you know, help to, you know, fight the stigma that for so long has been associated with uh, mental wellness as opposed to physical wellness. Well, I believe that there are a lot of positive developments in society, including in the regulatory and insurance arena with the mental health parity laws. Okay. Uh, certainly, some of the coping strategies and supports that people have are things like their relationships and also uh, their families and relationships and trying to, a lot of times, if you're not doing well, emotionally or mentally, it will impact things in your body like your sleep cycle. Oh, absolutely. Healthy sleep is so important. And healthy sleep, I believe we all know that we don't sleep well if we are stressed. We don't sleep well if we are overworked or if we worry. And there are clear impacts of a lack of sleep or disrupted sleep uh, to our health. We all know that uh, a number of uh, hormones, uh, the uh, regulatory substances in our body, uh, get uh, secreted during certain uh, times of the day. Uh, for example, human growth hormone is uh, being secreted mostly uh, during the night. Uh, we know that um, uh, leptin secretion, another hormone related to uh, how easily we gain or lose weight um, is uh, related to the amount of sleep. Uh, and there are actually things we uh, we can do. Uh, great. So I'm just going to shift a little bit, Dr. Plauser. So that's all great and makes sense. And, uh, you know, a lot of that's theoretical. Let's move a little bit to, you know, talking about how the pra what we can practically do to really help nourish our mind and body so that we can live along and you know, healthy life? I believe there are two factors that uh, we uh, can control. Uh, one is what we do. Uh, in that area, I believe that it would be truly helpful to develop routines, uh, to develop an exercise routine, to develop routines as to uh, our eating habits. And the second piece to is to this is the things we do, what we emotionally attribute to them, and uh, what a meaning uh, the things we do have. And this is where the spirituality piece and the relationship piece comes in. Right. So you mentioned specifically previously about you know metabolic syndrome, and certainly there's an obesity epidemic right now. In terms of diets. I mean, you could, you know, listen to 20 different experts or read 20 different books and they give you very different ideas about what constitutes the right eating patterns for a healthy body. And the perceptions of which diet is considered as healthy versus unhealthy, uh, they have changed over time. I'm an old man. Uh, when I grew up in... Uh, 
20 to 30 years ago, uh, the paradigm was a low-fat diet. The thinking was the more fat we have on our plates, the more fat we get on to our bellies. And that may not be true. Okay. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that? Dr. Beach, we have to eat something. If we don't, if we eat a low-fat diet, it ultimately often means we eat more carbs. Um, as all of us know, uh, carbs, in particular high glycemic index carbs, such as uh, white bread, such as um, sugars, uh, they get metabolized into fat. So at the end of the day, by eating a low-fat diet, uh, but replacing it uh, by empty calories from high glycemic index carbs, at the end of the day, then we get the carbs uh, processed into fat onto our bellies. Yeah, I know certainly one of the very popular and healthy diets is the Mediterranean diet, for just the reason you're describing. There are tons of diets, and um, they have shifted over time. Uh, just to mention a few names, the uh, Atkins diet, the South Beach diet, um, there are really a, a number of them. Uh, the Mediterranean diet um, is a diet that emphasizes uh, the intake of, it's a vegetable-rich diet. Most Americans, uh, we don't eat enough vegetables, and we don't eat uh, enough micronutrients uh, and vegetables across the color spectrum. It turns out the more food variety we eat, the more micronutrients uh, we take in. And one of the problems uh, we have these days is that it appears over the past 20 to 30 years, our diet has been become less rich in, uh, in those micronutrients. Uh, bringing the discussion back to the Mediterranean diet, the Mediterranean diet is uh, actually not a low-fat diet. It does have fats, but it is much more selective as to what type of fats. So when we look at the fats in a Mediterranean diet, it um, has uh, fish, uh, in particular cold water fish, it appears to be healthy, such as uh, salmon, such as sardines, and um, uses uh, tons of olive oil. Um, olive oil, walnuts, those are all considered healthy fats. They're usually rich in uh, money and polyunsaturated uh, fatty acids. Um, avocados, uh, that would be another good source of healthy fats. Right. So it's not as simple as low, low fat or high fat. It's also what type of fat? Absolutely. It's not about cutting the fat out, uh, but it's about uh, looking at um, being selective about what types of fats we eat. And uh, it appears that the harmful fats, they are often the uh, saturated fats, the processed fats. And it appears uh, that uh, those have been introduced in our diets with uh, the idea of processed food uh, that has a greater dur durability and um, uh, would be easier to prepare. So we've mentioned many times living a long and healthy life and spoke about that in some detail. Now I want to shift a little bit to what medication and particularly non-medication approaches we can all utilize to uh, impact longevity and anti-aging. Well, we talked before at the beginning of uh, today's program about some of the, about the biopsychospiritual connection. 
a number of non-medication approaches do appear to have evidence to extend our lifespans. Uh, including meditation, appears to uh, extend what's called the telomeres around our chromosomes and are a marker like a biological clock um, of uh, our lifespan. Cells lose telomeres as we age. Uh, there is also the uh, role of um, heart rate variability that is... Uh, research and observations that come out of nuns in prayer. It appeared that nuns who have the highest heart rate variability appear to live the longest lives. Right, and heart rate variability, just for our listeners, is the difference between your highest heart rate and your lowest heart rate. You're having a, a larger difference is better for your health. Well, I would like, uh, that is very true, I would like to point to the work of the Heart Math Institute here uh, for those who are interested in uh, reading more about that topic. And then there are uh, a number of uh, medications that are uh, well known to most medical practitioners that appear to have lifespan extending effects. And in that respect, for those who are want to read more and are interested, I would like to point to um, the work of uh, Bill Fallon and um, the Radfest. There are like a number of components and stepwise approaches uh, here, uh, which include the uh, supplementation of uh, NAD+, um, the use of rapamycin, uh, the use of resveratrol, a compound that uh, we found in red wine, um, use of uh, the antidepressant medication in a very low dose, uh, selegiline, then uh, use of uh, quercetin as well, which um, actually comes from apples. We all know that apples are healthy, but now we know why uh, that is the case. And then uh, looking in the, into the future, uh, there are um, experimental approaches with uh, gene therapies, with the infusion of young plasma and uh, uh, CRISPR. I mean, that's interesting. They often talk about, you know, a small amount of red wine being good for your health. And an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Great. It's been wonderful having you uh, talking about the importance of the mind-body connection, just how important it is to monitor and limit stress in our life, both for our emotional as well as physical well-being. And then some real important and new strategies that I think people aren't that familiar about that can really help to nourish both the mind and body. So for more resources um, on today's episode, please check out reachdrbeach.com and please join me for my next episode of Mental Reality with Dr. Beach. <laughs> <laughs>